Welcome to the Cryptoverse, Kairos Ventures' very own Twitter space, where we deliver in-depth insights about crypto's hottest topics. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for yeah, tuning into uh, the Cryptoverse. Um, today, we have Tasha, the founder and the CEO of Alpha Finance. I'm Ben um, from the BD team of Kairos Ventures, and I'm here with Tin as well, and we'll be co-hosting uh, just to explore a little bit about uh, Alpha Finance and talk about uh, a little bit to, uh, about DeFi and whatnot. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, let's get started. Sounds good. Yeah, let's get started. Um, Meow, how are you doing? Hi, everyone. It's Tim here. I'm doing uh, well. <laughs> hi, Tasha. Nice to have you here as well. Yep, I can hear you. Yep. Yeah, I think there might be a bit of delay. Um, but yeah, if yeah. we should be good to go now. Um, so everyone here today, we have Tasha, co-founder of Alpha Finance. Um, some you farmers may already know about Tasha and Alpha Finance. It's um, a left you farming project. Um, Tasha, do you mind just quickly introduce Alpha Finance, just in case there are some new you farmers in our space today? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and, and actually, I think... Leverage farming is only one of our products, right? Alpha Finance Lab is, is a lot more than that. Um, we are building a number of DeFi protocols. So Alpha Homora, which is the first one. We have Alpha X, which is one we're developing right now. Um, it's in the derivatives perpetual swap space. So a completely different area. Um, so you can think of it as uh, the second DeFi product that we're building out in the umbrella of Alpha Finance Lab, right? Uh, separately, we also have Alpha Launchpad, which is a DeFi incubator program, so that we can advise and mentor um, young and, and new, you know, innovative uh, DeFi projects, and also make sure to bring value accrual back to Alpha stakers. Thank you, Tasha. Um, so everyone, you might have been uh, familiar with you farming already, but um, leverage you farming is something that people usually um, haven't learned about, haven't heard about due to, I guess, the risk-adverse nature of it, as well as the fact that there are a lot of, you know, food farms out there with ridiculously high APY. Um, but today we're here to learn more about Alpha and how that could probably bring um, a bit more exposure to the leveraged yield farming space. We all know about leveraged trading already, um, but yield farming not so much. Um, so, Tasha, the... The trend of yield farming started with, I guess, lending borrowing, um, firstly on Compound and then on Aave. So one of the most obvious strategy back then was folding. Um, for people not in the know, folding is basically lending and borrowing the same assets or one or two different assets repeatedly so that you do not have to um, get exposed to, you know, multiple different riskier assets um, in case something goes wrong and you get liquidated. So for example, if your capital is, let's say, $10,000 in DAI and you want to fold it on Compound on Aave, what you can do is basically deposit that 10000 DAI and then borrow 8000 DAI, then deposit that 8000 DAI, borrow 6000 DAI, and you repeat that process until a point where you are satisfied um, that your total borrow and total lend um, is high enough. So you are earning the interest 
on the supply side, but you have to pay the interest on the borrow side. So why would that be profitable for anyone? So it is profitable if you earn extra rewards in the form of the governance token. Um, Compound was the first one. And then later on, we have Aave. Even now, I think um, Aave on Polygon still is still giving out rewards in the form of Matic. So folding is the most obvious yield farming strategy there. Um, leverage yield farming, on the other hand, basically leverage your um, capital from a share lending borrowing pool, usually um, coming from the same protocol or um, a protocol that is in partnership. For Alpha Finance, I believe it's on Alpha um, in collaboration with Iron Bank. Um, Tasha, do you mind sharing some thoughts on the risk versus rewards between the traditional strategy, which is folding, versus the leverage yield farming um, strategy, say using Alpha Finance? Yeah, so um, before I do that, let, let me dive a bit more on leverage yield farming itself, right? Is that pretty much, you know, um, it's, it's a concept that we came up with it. Before Alpha Homora, there's no leverage yield farming. And the easy thing with that, is, or, or how it works, right, is that um, you deposit collateral, you decide how much leverage you want to take on, let's say 7x or, or, or more. If you're on the curve three pool, which is all stablecoin pools, um, you can go up to 7x. If you're not staking alpha, you know, there are more details on that. If you actually stake alpha, you can go up to, you know, 9.8x, right? Um, but what that means is you actually get this capital efficiency here. Uh, let's say if you deploy 10, uh, let's say, you know, $100 of collateral of USDT, for instance, and then you can go 7x on the curve three pool on Alpha Homora, right? So technically, you're, you're farming on curve at the capital now, which would be $700, as opposed to the $100 which you only have in the beginning, right? So you actually get that um, capital efficiency from leverage your farming, which is done through Alpha Homora. <clears throat> so from there, what that means is the yields that you will get from you farming would be a lot more because the capital that you inject on you farming protocol, let's say on a curve or any you know AMM protocols that we work with, let's say like Uniswap, SwitchSwap, and Balancer as well. So you're actually getting the yields multiplied by the leverage that that you're taking. So I guess the difference between um, folding versus leverage you farming, you know, in addition to the risk, which I'll go into that later, right, is that. Uh, you actually get a lot of the capital efficiency from leverage you farming because if you take the typical folding process, you know, you lend, you have to have over collateralized. Let's say you deposit $100 of something, you can only borrow about, you know, $66 of another asset. So you lose that capital efficiency right there already, right? Um, so, so that's the big um, difference. And pretty much, you know, Alpha Humra or leverage you farming also does the whole you farming process for you. In terms of the risk, so if you break down the typical folding process, which is lend, borrow, and lend, right? So here the risk would come from the borrowing process. So let's say um, if the borrow asset price, you know, spikes up a lot, then that means that your debt would increase, you know, significantly in the value, right? And if you don't do anything, if you don't add collateral, and if the borrow asset price continues to go up, then eventually it will lead to liquidation. So that's the risk. For folding, um, the risk for leverage farming, you know, the, the the process is you collateral something, you borrow, then you yield farm, right? 
So the borrow part would have the similar risk as folding because you know if an asset price of the borrowed asset increases, then, then that, that will lead to liquidations as well. Um, but additional to that, you know, given that you're doing yield farming as opposed to lending, then there is the risk that comes with yield farming as well. So that would be impermanent loss. So would you say that minimizes uh, the risk? So would um, leverage yield farming be, uh, you know, uh, something that you would prefer um, over the more traditional folding? Um, if you don't care about uh, automation, which leverage yield farming does for you, or if you don't care about capital efficiency, um, and you just want to yield farm, then then I think yield farm would work um, unless you want to increase that capital efficiency, right? But I don't think you can compare folding to leverage yield farming because technically folding your your borrow to lend, right? So the risk appetite would already be different because lending is, is a lot safer than yield farming to begin with. So what about the upside? How would you compare the upsides um, of folding compared to leverage <clears throat> yield farming? Uh, farming? Obviously, the, the, the mm-hmm. capital efficiency yeah. would um, give you much more upside um, in leverage yield farming. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the upsides would come from one part or, or technically two parts for, for folding, right? So first part would be the lending interest rate that you lend your initial collateral. And then the second one is the lending interest rate that you lend for the borrowed asset that you take on to lend later, right? So those are the two gains. Um, the, 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 the cost that you pay for that would be the borrowed interest rate. So if those two gains outweigh the cost, then you're net positive. Um, but for leverage you farming, there are multiple areas that you can gain, um, which for each magnitude, it's also a lot higher than the lending interest rate typically as well. Typically, lending interest rate is like, um, you know, early one digit, right? But let's say with leverage yield farming, you would get the first thing would be the trading fees um, from providing liquidity, which would already be getting from from all the AMM protocols, right? Um, and here you are leveraging it up, so that means let's say you're doing seven x. So as opposed to getting, for instance, five percent trading fees um, on on a typical liquidity providing position, you would get thirty five because you're a seven x. Um, injecting the capital so you're getting 7x returns so that's the first part you're getting the second part would be the farmed token itself which is a part of the yield farming process right um so as opposed to getting for instance 10 tokens of something if you were to deploy capital of 100 dollars to yield farm but here you're doing 7x so you're getting 70 tokens of that something right so so those are the two main you know gains or benefits you would get from it the cost here would come from the borrow interest rate as well, because you need to borrow um, to yield farm, which all of these are being automated by the product for you. So technically, you don't have to, you know, borrow and then claim those borrowed funds and then do the yield farming process yourself. Yep. Um, to add on that, from my experience, beginning as a, you know, as an AIF, um, Alpha Finance also introduce liquidity. Um, I guess, farming as well on Uniswap V3, which is a pretty much brand new concept just introduced in the past two months. Um, so with folding, you can only um, lend and borrow on the same protocols like Compower Avex. But with the introduction of Uniswap V3, a lot of the volume from um, stablecoin swapping has actually been directed Uniswap V3. And Alpha Finance is also providing um, that sort of service for 
um, leverage you farmers as well. So if you look at Alpha Finance, um, you'll be able to see a bunch of different Uniswap V3 pools, which you can go and you know do leverage yield farming um, with even higher APR than farming on curve. So if that's something of interest to you, um, you may want to look at it as well. Um, yeah, I think that's a big difference from the traditional folding. Yeah, actually to correct that, we haven't integrated with Uniswap V3 yet. It's Uniswap V2, Curve, Balancer, and SushiSwap. Uh, yep, the, um, the stable coin pool on Uniswap and, uh, and Curve. Tasha, in terms of the utilization of um, Alpha Finance, um, at the start, when I um, sort of first tried Alpha Homora, a lot of the time the borrow pool would be 100% utilized. Um, so it was fully borrowed and I couldn't even um, borrow more than, say, 1.5x at the time, even with a re really small capital. Um, but now it seems like most of the pools are only at, say, 50 or 60% utilization ratio, which is still really high. Are we seeing more conservative risk takers due to just the, the nature of the market currently? Or say due to the lower yield from curve because once again, market conditions? Or are people simply, um, I guess, um, simply staying away from left yield farming just because um, it's leverage? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, this is actually not, not, not quite um, any of those per se. So let me expand a bit more in terms of why utilization rate was around, you know, very high. Um, you know, nearly 100% or even 100% early on when we launched, right? Because let's say, and, and this is, uh, I would say, an, a normal scenario as well, because with every launch, you know, we have initial lending capital, right? And once we launch, this this is the case for Alpha Homer V2 on Ethereum. We also have a cap of how much debt can be borrowed in a day globally by every user, right? Um, and, and that cap is to be adjusted until it is stabilized um, in the product. Um, so, so once we first launched, you know, the product actually got uh, a lot of traction, many people come in, and we got 1 billion TV, TVL in, in a really short time, right? Um, so that means that we have to continuously increase the cap of how much debt globally the users can, can take um, in a day. So, or, or not in a day, but globally um, at all times, right? Like total debt. So that means that, you know, in, in, in initially when the lending capital is still small because we just launched um, and borrow demand is high because we have a lot of traction from leverage farmers, then that automatically pushes the utilization rate to be around 100%. Um, and then once we increase the cap, then more borrowers can borrow. Um, lenders would come in because of the high lending interest rate. And then that just becomes a positive um, feedback loop per se to drive usages, drive TVL up, right? Um, and and we continue to increase the cap until we see that hey, the usages is actually um, somewhat stable uh, right now without needing to increase any more cap, um, and 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 the protocol is still not super high utilization rate because we don't want to have it be very high as well because having it too high that means that borrowers are paying too much for using our protocol, which we don't want that to happen as well. Um, so that's you know, the, the rationale for why it was high initially. Um, and the reason that it shows 50% now, I think they're coming from multiple reasons, right? Uh, the first reason is we reached the 
I would say the stable stage of the product uh, in which we have grown and, and stabilizes around 1 billion TVL at all times on Alpha v 2 alone. And then the second reason is more on that this is the liquidity from Cream V2 or Iron Bank, right? Because we're partnering and integrating with the Iron Bank or Cream V2 to be our lending protocol per se. So any lending or borrowing activities are taking place on the Iron Bank. So what that means is the liquidity in terms of the dollar value and also the interest rates that are shown on Alpha Homer V2 under the Earn tab. These are the numbers from the Iron Bank um, because that's our lending protocol, right? Yeah. And the Iron Bank is also working with Yearn. So so Yearn and Alpha Homer V2 are the two protocols that can work and, and borrow from Iron Bank. Um, so what that means is Yearn has been deploying a lot of capital to Iron Bank as well, just increasing the total uh, capital in the lending pool, right? So what that does is automatically that would decrease the, the overall utilization rate for that pool. Yep, that makes total sense. Thanks for explaining. At the, at the start of 2021, early 2021, um, you guys unfortunately got um, exploited. And um, I think a lot of things have happened since then and you guys have already fixed the protocol. How have you guys grown from facing that exploit and how has that allowed you to grow and strengthen your um, your systems, the Alpha Homeware system? Mm, yeah. So I think that there are multiple things that we have grown and, and learned, right? I, I think this is um, where we're all in a very early stage of DeFi and um, these things definitely should not happen to any protocol or anyone at all. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a part of the cycle, uh, a part of the industry, right? So we... We go through it, we pass it, and we learn, and we pretty much, you know, improve everything from there. Um, first, on the security side, you know, we have a lot of implementations. We also published a blog on, you know, more details on the security side of things, uh, and pretty much, you know, the protocol now in terms of what we do um, to uphold all these security measures that we put in place, right, include multiple things from multiple reviews, not only just internal reviews, but also external reviews by top tier um, smart contract engineers. Uh, and then definitely multiple top tier audits like open discipline, consensus, trail of bits. Um, and then also making sure that we have active back bounty programs. So all these things have been put in place and active here, meaning that we're working with Immunify um, to, to help run our back bounty program uh, and making sure that once with every push of code, into the blockchain, you know, there is someone who's looking at it and, and becoming the white hacker automatically, right? And of course, you know, there are a lot of monitoring tools that we do internally. So on the security side of things, you know, I think we've grown a lot from there too. From the product side of things, I think that's where it gets more interesting, right? Because I think a, a lot of times you may want to um, do different techniques that can be complicated on the technical side of things. But I think at the, at the end of the day, what we learn from that is simplicity is um, something that is, you know, should not be um, looked over, right? It can scale really fast, you know, once you have a simple uh, line of code as opposed to complicated functionalities. Um, it will also minimize loopholes and all those things. So that will also impact and has been impacting how we think of the product in terms of uh, making sure that it's simple on the code level while still bringing product market fit and a lot of value to our users. And then I think the third thing, which is interesting from, from my opinion, because 
it actually pushes the alpha launchpad launch date a lot sooner than than what we planned. You know, because once we created alpha fitness, that we already know that we are gonna build and incubate a number of DeFi protocols. So we're not just you know launching our project to do one product, right? Um, that's not what we're here for. And and to be uh the the to pretty much reach the vision that we set for ourselves, we want to make sure that. We're scaling to a certain level that we can advise and mentor other projects as well, while building our own products, right? And making sure that the projects that we advise and mentor find a way to bring value accrual back to Alpha community. In this case, the Alpha stakers. So, you know, given what we what we went through, uh, we you know really sit and and think through what would be the key thing that will allow Alpha Finance to. Grow in in you know exponential way, given that we will still keep the development cycle around the same and not too fast, right? So then you know we think outside the box and and decided that hey we should launch Alpha Launchpad um, a lot sooner than what we actually thought, which I think has been turning out very well. Uh, we've been getting a lot of great feedbacks and a lot of you know great DeFi projects have been applying to us. Um, so yeah, can talk about that a bit more as well on on the Alpha Launchpad side. Yes, yeah, so um, that segues perfectly into um, what I was going to actually ask next. So, Alpha Launchpad, um, uh, you, you guys launched your first product, Beta Finance, not too long ago. Um, do you want to share a little bit on that and what what Beta Finance is about, or if you have uh, any alpha to share us uh, to share with us on Beta Finance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So, Beta Finance is the first um, incubated project. It's it's a separate project and doing a different product. Uh, with a different team, we helped them incubate early on when they were, you know, very early stage. Um, until now, they're about to launch. So yeah, the the alpha here is pretty much that their launch date is coming up very soon. Um, so we're we're very excited, and we've been advising, um, you know, them quite early on from the tech side of things, and now on the non-tech side of things, like launch strategy and all that. So we're we're excited to have our first alpha launchpad out um, in the market. Yeah, that's that's super exciting. Um, so I'm sure we have a lot of Alpha Finance uh, fans listening uh, to us tonight, and you touched upon it a little bit before um, uh, about your vision and whatnot. So what what kind of vision uh, uh, can you could you share with us about Alpha Finance and the direction uh, that you guys uh, are going to be moving in, and what's what's uh, on the roadmap for the future? Mm, good question. Um, how how I see Alpha Finance Lab right is pretty much a decentralized. DeFi lab, um, and what what that means, right, is that there are multiple products that the whole community can brainstorm to discuss all these product ideas and pretty much you know work together to build new alpha products out. While at the same time, there is also another incubator arm of this DeFi lab. So if you zoom out a bit, right, you can see that um, this DeFi lab has two arms. One is the builder arm. The other one is the incubator arm, right. And, and the vision is to have the whole thing uh, be decentralized, not only just the builder arm, but also on the incubator arm, which is the alpha launchpad. So um, on the alpha launchpad side, you know, that means that a lot of the DeFi projects that want to get all these advice from, from you know, DeFi founders, from, from project builders, right, uh, would come to alpha launchpad because it's actually pretty rare to find all these support in DeFi, especially for young and and you know, early stage teams. Um, and I think we, we need more of that support in DeFi so that the whole industry can grow, right? And 
in order to make sure that everyone in DeFi can really contribute, we want us all, we want to also decentralize the advising and, and the launchpad side of things as well. So that's the very um, high level and, and I think that's the long-term vision, right? In terms of, you know, what's around the corner, uh, if you break it down into multiple sides of Alpha Finance. So the first product that we have is Alpha Homora, which we will continue to grow. You know, we have partnerships, we have integrations. The second product, which is the new Alpha X, we are developing right now. So that should be um, in the near timeline to, to launch as well. And then on the launchpad side of things, you know, there are going to be more Alpha launchpad projects launching. We have, um, you know, rejected a number of projects because we have pretty high evaluation processes, um, but we accepted two already. So these are in addition to beta, you know, so those should be coming out um, within this year too. Yeah, that sounds sounds really good. Um, just quickly to touch upon DeFi, because our finance is a DeFi um, that is focused on DeFi uh, and whatnot. So decentralized finance. Um, how do you find? Uh, what do you think? Or how do you find it to be relevant to um, the world economy uh, as a whole uh, and to challenge traditional finance uh, in a sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's actually quite quite early um, in the in the timeline that we cannot say that it's going to challenge traditional finance at the moment um, because of several things, right? Like regulation side of things have to um, mature a lot more than what we have now. Um, also in terms of education side of things, making sure that everyone in terms of the, the users and the consumers understand the risks, understand you know what it means to have MetaMask wallet, right? What, what do all these passwords meet. So I think it, it takes a lot of time uh, before we get there. Um, but eventually, once a lot of things on, on the foundational level are set in place, then I think there's pretty much you know, no reason why DeFi will not disrupt traditional finance at all, because it's a lot cheaper, it's a lot more um, accessible, and it's very high innovation. So with high innovation, that means you know the, the whole area is competitive, offering great products to consumers you know when you consumers get great products then there's no reason for them not to join yeah definitely definitely um so uh we, we've seen a DeFi summer uh, not too long ago um but it has been uh, a little bit stagnant since its peak uh in uh, at around uh, may do you think it's because DeFi is currently maturing and it's necessary you know for it to mature or do you think um the sector just needs uh new innovation for it to continue to grow? Or do you think it's just simply the nature of the market and, and the cycles that we have to go through uh, before we see the next bull run? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the DeFi landscape is mature yet. I think it's still in, in, in early days, but I think there are two types of innovations, right? Um, one type is the product innovation, which I think has been continuing and, and will continue to grow in DeFi. And what I mean by product innovation here is more on um, either bringing new use cases or new concepts to DeFi or even innovating from the existing financial applications that we have on, on blockchain, right? So that's more on the product innovation, which I think will continue to slowly grow the industry out. But I think the second type of innovation, which will allow the industry to you know, double or triple really quickly, right? Is something more on the incentive innovation. So incentive innovation is more on, I would say, you, you can think of it as a subset of that can be token economics, a subset of that can be liquidity mining, 
a subset that can be you farming, all these things, right? But it's more on, not so much on the product, but how do you set up the incentive structure such that um, it really, you know, brings a lot, a, a whole new way for people to come in. Um, and I think that's that's the innovation that we saw from you farming. So if you actually look pre-you farming days, I think the TVL, the, 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 the total addressable TVL, right, is a lot less than what we have now. And that's mainly because you farming has brought in a lot you know, of people coming in, a lot of new money coming into the whole market. So I think we need to have the, the new incentive innovation to uh, significantly increase the TVL and growth for DeFi in a short time. So do you think we're going to continue to see a wave of a new innovation come through? Or do you think it's just going to be constant? Mm-hmm. I think product innovation will be constant. Um, there, there are many great project teams with great ideas. Um, and once one project launches, you know, that sparks new idea for different people to different uh, and different projects, right? So I think product innovation will, will continue to happen. I think incentive innovation is something that um, doesn't happen every day, but I think it's once it happens, it will um, significantly grow the DeFi landscape. So like double or triple the size in a really short time, like what we saw with yield farming. Yeah, um, while we're still on yield farming, um, I'm sure everyone is aware we are in another NFT boom um, led by Axie Infinity, a game that has made headlines everywhere for the past few months. Um, it is, in my opinion, a, just a gamified yield farming experience um, in the form of a game instead of, you know, you stack your money into a pool and wait for numbers to go up. Um, Tasha, have you got a chance to look into um, NFT or blockchain gaming? And would you say it's a more creative way to do yield farming from now on? And whether that's going to affect the new money flow that's supposed to flow into DeFi? Because I guess gaming is not 100% DeFi yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think think that's a good question. And and I think it's... Fair, um, very much to say that a lot of the interest, you know, has been shifting to NFT gaming as well. Um, but I think it's actually very different from yield farming, right? And, and how I view yield farming is one form of aligning incentive structures such that you know all the parties win um, per se. So so once all parties win, then it's a positive sum game. Then the whole industry grows, right? Something similar to what I mentioned briefly earlier. Um, for NFT, how I see it is that it's uh, it's more of a sense of ownership and, and bonding, right? So NFT would be very effective to build community, um, bring out that uniqueness in, in something that they own. So I think it's quite different from incentive structure line of thought from, from you farming, right? For gaming itself, I think this is also different um, from NFT and also different from from you farming as well, I think. With gaming, it's it's in the nature of the industry already. I think if you look into traditional gaming industry, spending on games um, overall has been you know a, a lot of number and, and you know significant amount of money already. And when you make it on blockchain, such that is you know globally accessible and very easy to transact and and pretty much you know have those frictionless transactions, I think that just um, multiply. Uh, what we saw from traditional game industry even more. So, yeah, I think those are three different takes that I look at it. But I think what would be interesting is more on how these three industries will kind of intersect and 
leverage off each other, right? Because I think each industry has um, its own, you know, pros and cons. So, so even though in the short term, let's say right now, we see some liquidity flowing from DeFi to NFT to gaming, but I think it's actually a good thing for the long term in which it's a sign of, you know, the whole blockchain industry growing. And, and once we see more use cases on blockchain with real traction, with real usages, then that would just, you know, continue to grow um, the interest from newcomers to, to join DeFi and join the whole industry furthermore. Yeah, so look, really looking forward to the whole industry growing and pretty much seeing different angles of how DeFi can expand into these new um, sectors like NFT and gaming too. Yeah, definitely uh, agree with you there. Um, now, I think we've kept you for about 40 minutes and I don't want to keep you for too much longer, Tasha. Um, so we do have one question just from one of our followers, um, if you don't mind uh, answering it. Uh, the question is, will projects on Alpha Launchpad be available for future TGs? B, sorry, what? So the question was, uh, will projects on Alpha Launchpad be available for future TGE? Oh, I see. Um, it will be somewhat different from 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 TGE per se or to- token uh, generation event, right? But these new project tokens will be distributed for free to Alpha stakers. So this is different from the the fact that you have to sell, um, let's say, a portion of stable coins to buy these tokens, right? And the, the rationale for that is making sure that Alpha community also benefits from um, Alpha Launchpad, which is, you know, a key part of Alpha Finance Lab as well. Um, and making sure that all the advice that we have given to these projects um, will later on you know, translate to very successful projects. And then these successful tra- projects will be able to grow their community from the Alpha community. So it's kind of win-win situation. Um, Alpha stickers win, the Launchpad projects also win. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, I think we'll um, we'll finish it up there. Thank you, Tasha, um, for your time today and taking it out of your busy schedule to have a chat to us and to um, to do this Twitter space with us uh, as well. Um, and thank you for all our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we'll have this recorded and we'll post it up um, on our website um, if you do want to listen in on it uh, in the future as well. Um, thanks, Tim, as well for joining in and um, on this discussion. Tune in next time uh, for uh, our next episode um, on the Cryptoverse uh, with our next guest. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. See ya.